You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Pastor Paul Kern. So Proverbs 23, verse 7, this is a verse that we're all very familiar with. You've probably heard this said many, many, many times. But for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Your, your thought life determines your heart life. I'm going to say that again. Your thought life determines your heart life. And you've got to see what thoughts are producing in your mind. The thoughts that you're dwelling on are producing things. All throughout the day, they're producing things. Because, you know, oftentimes what you think is what you get. I'm going to say that again. Oftentimes what you think is what you get. Can I have an amen? See, successful people think successful thoughts. People who feel like failures, they feel like they're a failure because they've been thinking they're a failure. Or because they failed at one point in their life, they allowed that label to be attached to them. And now they feel like they are a failure because at one time they failed. Happy employees, listen, a happy employee will think happy thoughts about his job and his employer. An unhappy employee is probably thinking not so good thoughts about his job. I mean, it's kind of hard for you not to be happy about your job when you're thinking thoughts like, God, I'm so grateful that you blessed me with a job. God, I'm so thankful that you gave me a boss that started a company that is paying me every week so that I can live and pay my bills. See, it's kind of hard to have a bad, sour attitude when you're thinking those kinds of thoughts. See, unfulfilled church members... They think unhealthy thoughts about their leadership. Now, I know none of y'all do that. I'm talking about those other churches. You know what I'm saying? The other ones? Because y'all, y'all think all the leadership here is great, right? Y'all think we're awesome, right? And those of you that didn't clap, thank you for your enthusiasm. But, but our thoughts can have us not living a life of peace. You, you can't have a life of peace when your thoughts are constantly negative, It's just not going to happen. If you're constantly dwelling on whether or not you offended somebody, you're not going to have a life full of peace. If you're always focused on your circumstances, it's going to be hard for you to have a life of peace. If you're always worried about everything all the time, even things that don't concern you. I mean, I meet people, they're worried about other people's worries, And then their friends' worries and their friends' friends because we're all connected socially, right? So we're worried for a friend's friend's friend. We don't even know them, and we're worried. We're living afraid of what might happen. We're continually negative. Nothing good ever comes my way. See, always complaining. See, those kinds of negative thoughts are going to produce a negative outcome in your life. But the opposite can be true, too. Positive thoughts, man, God's blessed me. God's, and I hear people say that, I'm blessed coming in, help me, and I'm blessed going out. God goes before me and he hedges behind me. Well, you know, when you're thinking thoughts like that, it's kind of hard to have a negative attitude. So, so your thoughts are so important, and your thoughts are important because they influence your heart, and out of your heart, guess what? Your mouth speaks. So if you just catch yourself all throughout the day Listening to what you're saying out of your mouth, you're going to get a real good indication of what you've been thinking in your brain because it's going to come out. 
It's going it's to be spoken out of your mouth. You know, it's very interesting, and, and y'all have probably all heard this before, so it's not anything new, but it, it's just a good story. So I, I want to just relive this for a moment. Abraham Lincoln, our 16th president, many people say he was probably the greatest president of all time. Uh, I think most people assume that the, awesome, the office of president follows a very, uh, you know, prestigious um, fancy upbringing, you know, born with a silver spoon. You know, we think about Ronald Reagan, who was a movie star. We think about the Bushes. We think about the Clintons. We think about people like this. Um, but that wasn't so for Abraham Lincoln. Listen to this. In 1809, he was born in a log cabin in Kentucky with his father and mother. They were forced out of their house when he was seven years old, and Abraham Lincoln's mother died when he was nine. He had no formal schooling at all. In 1831, at 22 years old, his first business attempt failed. In 1832, at 23 years old, he ran for state legislator and lost. In 1832, he lost his job. He applied for school, and he was rejected. He borrowed money from a friend to start a business, and the business failed. He went bankrupt. It cost him 17 years to dig himself out of the debt of bankruptcy that that decision created for him. In 1835, he fell in love with Ann Rutledge. She died after they became engaged. And he had a nervous breakdown, and Abraham Lincoln was bedridden for six months with depression. So at what point do you throw in the towel? You know, at what point do you just say, I just give up, I just quit. Life isn't working for me. It didn't go in my way. Well, in 1838, he ran for Speaker of State Legislator, and he was defeated. Two years later, in 1840, he ran for Elector of the State. He was defeated. In 1843, he, he ran for Congress, and he lost. In 1846, he ran for Congress and won. Hey only to be defeated two years later when he was going for re-election. In 1849, he was rejected for the state land office. In 1854, he ran for the U.S. Senate, and he lost. In 1856, he ran for the VP nomination and got less than 100 votes from the convention. Wasn't very popular. In 1858, he ran for U.S. Senate, and he lost. At what point do you quit and give up? Well, in 1860, he was elected president, and then he was reelected for a second term, and he was the president that God used to start the freeing of slavery and turning around that horrible, horrible evil in our country, all because he wouldn't give up. Now, do you think that Abraham Lincoln probably struggled with some negative thoughts? But, but he also had to have some positive thoughts because nobody's going to keep picking themselves back up off the ground again and again and again after failure and keep moving forward unless they're, they're listening to another supply. And see, that's why it was so critical of what Josh talked about last week, because what we supply ourselves with, 
And see, Abraham Lincoln, he was a man of prayer. He was a man of the Word. He fed himself with things that would help push him and move him forward. Jeremiah 29, 11. You know, we probably have that taped on a mirror. We probably have it memorized. We have it highlighted. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord's plans to prosper you. Can I have an amen? Not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. In Romans 8, 28, for we know that God calls us all things to work together for the good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So when we have those kinds of thoughts stirring around up here in our brain, that trickles down into our heart life, and that influences our heart, and then all of a sudden our heart causes our words and the things that we're saying that are coming out of our mouth to begin to be different. Does that make sense? See, these scriptures, they're easy to read. Listen, they're easy to read, but they're much harder to live. And you got to walk by faith when you live by these scriptures. Proverbs 23, 7, as he, a man, thinketh in his heart, so is he. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. I want to read a verse or two with you. Philippians chapter 4, uh, we're going to be looking at verses 4 through 9. I like what this says here, Philippians 4, 4 through 9. It says, always, always. Everybody say always. Now, how often is that? <laughs> always. Always be full of the joy of the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see you are considerate in all that you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Come on. Instead, what do you do? You pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all that He has done. Then, everybody say then. So there's, a, there's an action and then there's a corresponding result, right? <clears throat> action, result. Action, result. So if you do everything that it said in the first couple of verses, it says, then you will experience what? God's peace. Isn't that good? Which exceeds anything that we can understand. And it goes on there in verse 8. It says, now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your what? Thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. So is that what we thought about all day? Because that's what the Bible commands us to think on. Well, Paul, I just have so much going on in my life. It doesn't say if you have a lot going on in your life, you can opt out of thinking what is good, right, lovely, and admirable. No. That, that's all the more reason that you need to think these thoughts when you have a lot going on in your life. And it says, verse 9, look, keep putting into practice all that you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then, there it is, action and response, then the God of peace will be with you. See, one of the things we're really wanting you to get out of this life management series is there are things that you can do in your life that can produce blessings in your life. There are things that, there's a, there's a step that you have to take. You have to, you know, partner with God. And then as you partner with God, God's able to allow his blessings to flow into your life. Does that make sense? Now listen, church, peace, peace is a state of mind. It's not a destination. Well, when I get this job, when I get this relationship, when I move to this new city, 
when I marry this new person. No, peace is not a geographical location. Peace is, is a state of mind, and it is a state of mind dwelling upon Jesus Christ and all that he has done for us in our life. You're not going to have more peace when, when you get more money. You're just not. You just got more money to worry over. You're not going to have more peace when you get more popularity or more fame, although people think you won't have more peace when you get a new job or a new career or get in the right relationship or your family gets fixed. Wouldn't that be great? All, even all the outlaws get fixed. I mean, not just the in-laws, even the outlaws get fixed. That would be great. But, but that's not going to bring about lasting fulfillment and lasting peace in your life. What's going to bring that about is, is what you choose to fix your mind on every single day, every moment of the day. That's what's going to determine that for you. And here's why none of those things will determine that for you. Here's why. Because something else is going to pop up in your life. As soon as you get all those things taken care of, the refrigerator's going to break. As soon as you get all that stuff lined out and all those things are fulfilled, your dog's going to get sick or he's going to throw up all over your floor and you're going to step in it. (laughs) Right? Come on, it's real life. You know, you just cleaned out the cat box and then, I mean, as soon as you got done, the cat's in there doing her thing, right? Oh, come on. Really? So it's not, it's not going to be that way. Peace is a state of mind. It's not a destination. So the question is, as you're listening to this, whether it's by podcast or you're here with us, what is your state of mind? What are you dwelling on? Is your mind emotionally stable? Are your thoughts fixed on him? Are you dwelling on good things, positive things, hope-filled, faith-filled things, or are you wringing your hands in worry and thinking negative things all throughout the day? See, good life management recognizes these things, and that's what we're really wanting to do in this series is, is get you to focus on some of these life management principles because these life management principles are really going to help you because they come directly from God's, God's Word. So are you in control of your thoughts, or are your thoughts in control of you? See, that's an important question. Do your thoughts just run your life, or do you run your thoughts? There's been times that I've had to pull myself to the side and have a conversation with myself. Have y'all ever done that? You ever done that? That's good, because I, sometimes I wonder if I'm crazy. I think, then I see other, pe- other people say, no, I do that. And I say, okay, well, then either we're all crazy or I'm not as crazy as I thought I would. But I pull myself to the side and I have conversations. Paul Kern, you get a better attitude, boy. Paul Kern, don't think that. Paul, think this, right? You, you, you know, you got to get a little aggressive with yourself sometimes. You have to discipline yourself sometimes. Paul says, I buffet my body to make it my slave. See, we buffet our mind to make it our slave. My, I, I tell my mind, you don't, don't get, you don't get the freedom just to think whatever you want to think whenever you want to think it. No. Have y'all ever been going down the road and somebody pulled out in front of you and just out of your mouth, just out of your mouth, you dummy, what are you doing? And, you know, and then God convicts me when I do that. Because then I think, no, you're the dummy for calling him a dummy. He's not a dummy. Well, he may be, I don't know, but 
I don't need to be saying that, right? We, we got to control our thoughts. Y'all quit looking at me that way because I know every one of y'all have done that too. Y'all looking at me like, he's a pastor and he called somebody a dummy. I hate to break it to you. I've called him worse than that probably. Now, I repent of that. I repent of that. I want you to know. If I said that about you, I'm sorry. I apologize. So I started out this session saying that successful people think successful thoughts. That's called self-fulfilling prophecy. Okay? That's what this is. Now, you word of faith people, you're, you're going to like this part. Some of you word of faith people, you go way back. You're going to like this part. Self-fulfilling po- prophecy. For example, you think, I'm not smart at math. If you're a young person and you think, you're in college, I'm not smart at math, you think you're going to do very good in math? Probably not. I, I never have any money. My, as a matter of fact, my family's never had any money. I mean, my dad didn't have any money. His dad didn't have any money. His dad, my great-great-grandfather didn't have We've never had any money. I'll probably never have any money. You think you're ever going to have any money? Probably not. I'm not really good at anything. I don't really have any giftings. I don't really have any talents. I'm not like them. I'm just not very good at anything. Do you think you're going to have very good self-esteem about yourself, thinking those kinds of thoughts? Or, man, I feel great. And I talk to people, how are you doing? I, man, I'm blessed. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. Well, how are you doing today? Man, I feel great. And people like that, they're rarely sick. It, it's the power of positive thinking. Now, I'm not getting into new age here. This is in the Bible. The New Age just stole it from the Word. The Word was around long before New Age was around. I mean, God's Word created all that we see. Jesus is the Word. It was all created through Him. This is interesting. According to Healthy People 2000, a report from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, stress has had a great impact upon our health. Did you know that 70 to 80% of all visits to the doctor are for stress-related and stress-induced illnesses? 70 to 80 percent. Did you know that stress contributes to 50 percent of all illness in the U.S.? 50 percent is related to stress. The cost of job stress in the U.S. is estimated at $200 billion annually, including cost of absenteeism, lost productivity, and insurance claims. See, we've got to understand this principle, church. Successful people think successfully. Happy people think happy thoughts. Poor people think what? Poor thoughts. That's why they're poor. Wealthy people, they think wealthy thoughts. That's why they're wealthy. Depressed people, what do they think? Depressing things. Insecure people, what do they think? all about their insecurities. Emotionally stable people, happy people, joy-filled people, what are they thinking? They're thinking about all that God's done for them and how God's blessed them and how God's got a future for them and how God just wants to just love on them and do good for them, right? I mean, that's how it works. So you can see why it's so important to recognize where are your thoughts coming from? It's so key that you can identify a wrong supply leads to a wrong thought. And so much of what we're going to be talking about in this life management series, things are going to be building and kind of layering one upon the other because they all go together. Go with me to Judges chapter 6. And Josh, I can already see I am not going to get done. 
it's, you know, it's just part of our plight. They just need to give us hours and hours of time. Then we might be able to get done. The thing about preachers is they always got something to say. You know, they just, all the time. All right, Judges chapter 6, verse 7 through 18. You know, this is the story of Gideon. The, the Midianites, every seven years they come and they just wreak havoc on the people of God and they steal all their crops and take everything from them. And so this is about that time. And, you know, Gideon, he's, he's down in this wine press hiding, I mean, you know, and just trying to do business to keep from getting caught. And then this angel appears to him. And in verse 14 and 15, the Lord says to Gideon, he says, I want you to go with the strength that you have. <laughs> and Gideon's response basically is, what strength? And, he, and then he begins to recount to God, God, I'm the least of my tribe. I'm the least of the least of the least. Why are you picking me? It's almost like when the angel appeared to him, hell, mighty man of valor, it's like Gideon went, is there somebody in here with me? You know, he didn't think he was talking about him. And, and out of his mouth, he said, I'm the least of the least. Now, you can already see he, he's thinking just kind of like the Israelites did. I'm, well, I'm like a little grasshopper. I'm just, I'm a nobody. See, God was trying to encourage Gideon and get his thoughts lined up with the things God thought about him and the things God was saying about him. Gideon's thoughts were all on his inabilities instead of being focused on God's ability. Does that make sense? See, when, you, when you've grown up labeled, and we got to be so careful about this church because, you know, we're real bad in culture about labeling people. We just... We label people, and we just throw that label on them, and then oftentimes we too easily accept the label that was been placed upon us. I remember when I was growing up, I grew up in a broken home. My father was an alcoholic. My parents divorced when I was a teen, and, you know, when I went into my high school years, I showed up at school high because I didn't care. I mean, my home was a mess. I had no future. I was thinking all the wrong thoughts. And I'd always been told by my father, I was stupid, you were a hamhead, you're a dummy, you idiot, what's wrong with you? And so, no wonder I was in remedial classes when I was in high school and I made bad grades. It wasn't because I was stupid, though, it was because I believed the label. I accepted the label. I listened to the lie of the enemy, and that's why I always tell people, do not let the devil make your ear a garbage can for him to dump his lies into. Your ear is not a garbage can. Your ear is a vessel that God gave you to hear your father speaking into your ear and speaking kingdom life into your, into your body and into your mind. That's the way we're meant to be. Absolutely. So see, God was trying to infuse Gideon. But he, he had this label, and we, we accept these labels, and we wear these labels. You can't read. You can't learn. You can't be successful. You can't because you grew up in a dysfunctional family. You can't because your family's always been poor. You'll never have. You know, we, we take on these labels. Too many people are being told you can't. And I want to encourage you tonight. If that's something that's going on in your mind, reject that. 
reject that. That's not of the Lord. That doesn't come from your Father in heaven. See, we've got to discern. You know, when we're talking about managing your thoughts, listen, you've got to discern who it is that's talking to you. For example, when you pray. If, if when you pray, church, and, I, and I'm serious, when you pray, if all you ever hear is pointing out all your faults, condemning thoughts, accusations, can I, can I tell you a little secret tonight? That's not God. God doesn't do that. See, that's the enemy. The, and the Bible says that the devil can disguise himself as an angel of light. And he'll just lie to us, and we accept those labels, and we believe those lies. And that's exactly what happened to Gideon. See, life wants you to think that you're trapped in your circumstances. You're not trapped in your circumstances. The Bible says nothing is impossible to him who what? Believes. It says we can do all things through who? Christ Jesus our Lord. See, we've got to just line up our minds with what the Word says. See, as Christians, we have to believe that our lives can change because Jesus empowers us to change. See, my dad was a womanizing alcoholic. My dad had affairs upon affairs upon affairs. He had multiple affairs going on at the same time. And, I, and honestly, I didn't get married till I was almost 27 years old because I was so afraid that I was going to be a failure. But it's because I believe the lies. And this impacts me even today because I've been involved with so many people that that's, that's what they listen to. But you gotta, you got to retune your ear. And you got to let your ear hear the right voice so that you got the right thoughts. Come on, church. You got the right thoughts coming into your head. See, sowing and reaping is a biblical principle. You sow corn, what do you reap? You sow tomato seeds, what do you reap? You sow watermelon seeds, what do you reap? That's it. You're not ever going to sow a tomato seed and reap an orange. And you're not ever going to sow seeds of doubt and reap faith. Hello? No, 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 no. See, you're sowing seeds into your life. Listen, one thought at a time. One thought at a time. What are you thinking about your kids? What are you thinking about your future? What are you thinking about your life? What are you thinking about your health? What are you thinking about your friends? What are you thinking about your boss? What are you thinking about your leadership? See, you're sowing seeds into your mind one thought at a time. You have life inside your head. What is it going to produce? Well, it's going to produce what you're sowing. Does that make sense? Are y'all getting something out of this? Never see yourself ever again as unpopular, poor, depressed, defeated, lonely, ugly, outcast, unwanted. Never let those thoughts enter your mind. You, I'm telling you, as soon as that thought comes to you, you take authority over that thought in the name of Jesus Christ. I take authority over that. I rebuke that out of my life in the name of Jesus. God says I'm his son. <clears throat> God says I'm accepted. God says I'm anointed. God says I'm chosen. God says I've been given an inheritance. So you start to say, I'm the head and not the tail. Come on, I'm above and not beneath. No weapon formed against me can prosper. See, as we begin to, to dwell on those thoughts, 
we're going to walk into the life of victory that God has for us. I know people that do this. Now listen, this doesn't mean because you're thinking right thoughts and you're saying right words that you're not going to have trouble come to you. (laughs) You're going to have trouble probably come to you even more so. But guess what? Jesus says, be of good courage, for I have overcome the world. He says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord, come on, he rescues us out of them all. And I know people who have gone through really hard things, but guess what? They ended up on the top side. Why? Because of their thought life. Their thought life. They think the right thoughts. They agree with God. Now, I'm out of time, and I got two points that that I want to to cover with you, and I'm going to go real quick. So there's two things that we have to do. Number one, are you ready? Take wrong thoughts captive. Because I want you to leave here with at least two things in your mind. Number one, take wrong thoughts captive. 2 Corinthians 10.5, we demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So we take those wrong thoughts captive. Mark 7, verse 20 says, It is what comes from the inside that defiles you. From within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. So the key to freedom in that is taking your thoughts what? Captive. We're in control. The Bible says that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. I tell my body what to do. It doesn't tell me what to do. Now, there's lots of times my body doesn't want to do certain things, and I just tell it, too bad, get up, get going, you're going to do it because I'm in charge. And the reason that I'm in charge is because Christ is in charge. And Christ is in charge because he's Christ, right? He's the king. He's the big guy. So take wrong thoughts captive. The second thing that you have to do is renew your mind. See, it's one, taking thoughts captive to me is like pulling up weeds. Y'all notice you don't have to plant weeds, they just grow? It's weird. Weeds can grow anywhere. I mean, right in the middle of your driveway. How? I didn't even plant it. Now, you can plant grass in your yard. You can't make it grow. You don't even have to plant a weed, and it's just going to grow right in the middle of your asphalt. Now, I don't know how it does that, but they do it. So you don't have to plant weeds. you got to pull them. But, but a lot of Christians, what they're doing is they're pulling weeds, but they're not planting seeds. you got to be a weed puller, and then you got to be a seed planter. Because when you pull the weed, you got to replace it with a seed, the right seed. Romans 12, 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what that is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Philippians 4, 8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, see, these are seeds, right? We're planting them. I'm planting seeds of truth, seeds of honesty, seeds of justness, whatever things are pure, whatever are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, any, anything of praiseworthiness, look at, listen to this, think on these things. In other words, plant those seeds in your mind. See, the problem is we get saved, 
Some weeds get pulled, but we don't renew our minds. And that's daily. So we get saved, we get delivered out of stuff, but then you got to start planting. See, the Bible says God wants, he wants to prune us so that we can what? Bear fruit. And he says, I want you to bear much fruit, and I want your fruit to remain. And that's that abundant life that Josh was talking to us about just this past Sunday. You know, it's, it, he wants our fruit to remain all throughout our lifetime so that we can live blessed. So two things, take wrong thoughts captive and renew our minds. And you'll be amazed as you change your input, listen, what your life will be like. It's just amazing how your life changes when you change your input. In in this life management series, we're going to be giving you a picture of a different lifestyle, maybe different than how you grew up, maybe different from the family you grew up in. Maybe different from even maybe some of the friends that you've been used to running life with. But if you'll take these life management principles that we're giving you and you apply them to your life, I promise you, you will see results. And here's how I know, because I've done it. It had absolutely changed my life. God's Word will change your life, absolutely. From the inside out, it'll change your life. You'll be a completely different person as you live and apply the word to your life. So as I close tonight, are you in control of your thoughts? Are your thoughts in control of you? You've got to manage your life or your life, it'll manage you. Amen? Amen. Y'all stand with me. Let's give God a hand clap. Let's pray together. Father, we're grateful to you. We love you. Lord, help us this week. Help our thoughts be fixed on you. Help our minds dwell on the good things of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and have a great night. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com.